Namaste, motherfuckers, and welcome to Tantric Conversation, episode number 77, Kevin Willoughby. I'm your host, Curtis Payne, and this is my podcast, Tantric Conversation, as I just mentioned, and it is a rambling, conversational, riff, jam session, see where it goes, put two people in a room together, turn on some mics, see what we talk about. Kevin and I uh, had tried this before, but he, uh, he fucked with my microphones when he was here, and he turned the one he was using around backwards, so didn't record anything, but as a result, we already talked about a lot of stuff that I would normally talk about the first time I have somebody sit down with me, and it doesn't feel authentic to me to then ask all these questions again that I already asked and I already found out the answers to, because that would then be journalism, and this is not journalism. I mean, you know, I keep having um, conversations with people that, and not a lot, I think enough people kind of get what I'm going for here, that this is a sort of a grand experiment, and it's not uh, meant to be an interview, it's not tantric interview, it is tantric conversation. Closest thing it can be compared to is an interview, but it is like many other podcasts that I rip off, like WTF and The Nerdist, where we just turn on mics and we start talking. This is nothing new. I just wanted to do it in the context of Richmond and have people that I that catch my eye, basically. Some of them I already knew. Some of them maybe I've been a fan of, really like what they did, do, and, uh, and I knew all about them or knew a lot about them, and I got them over here, and I had sort of a context. But there are other people that I've just been like, hey, I like that person's style. I think they're cool. Come over and sit down, and then we see what happens. And, you know, sometimes it's uneven. I I have a tendency to get going and start talking, and I don't want it to be as much me, but it's still, that's that's what happens, you know. And the last couple of them I've really enjoyed. They've seems to make a difference that we do these on a Sunday. When Allison came over here, it was a Sunday afternoon, and things got pretty deep. And same with Kevin. We, got, we talked about a lot of stuff. Um... I mean, we got some music and things in there, but we talked about a lot of other things just about life. And of course, that's all of this stuff is, you know, constantly re-referencing framework. You know, the art you make and the life you live, these things are all connected together, obviously. Um, And I like to find out really what makes people tick. And, uh, you know, I know Kevin is a really, he's a really cool level-headed guy. I mean, he's the kind of guy I aspire to be like, uh, he seems not to get ruffled very easily. I mean, he's a sound man. He's a musician. He's been in many bands in Richmond from Peru uh, to the Sweater Band, which is the first thing I actually saw him in, was that Weezer cover band, which I really loved the way he played drums in that band. Just, you know, minimal kit, hitting it hard, nailing it down. I like that. It's the kind of drummer I like. Um, and he's in uh, Eagles of Freedom and... I think that three sheets also, and uh, you know, does sound at Hardywood as I mentioned before. Um, I really wish I'd seen Peru when they were around. From what he and Eric have both said about it, it really sounds like a, a, the kind of band I would have liked. Somehow I managed not to see them, but you know, they're threatening to get back together, so that would be cool. Um, so let's, yeah, I'll be looking out for that. Um, Happy New Year, by the way. Uh, whatever these arbitrary markings of calendars the gregorian calendar you know whatever it is what it is you know it's all all in your head it's all in my head but i gotta say i decided to go through with the rituals 
that uh, I think bring luck on New Year's Eve. I, I was out Ubering for a while, and then I stopped off at Ensuboka to see Lady God in the Cherry Pits. I really like the Cherry Pits and Lady God a lot, by the way. And um, kissed a girl at midnight. I don't know her. I didn't talk to her afterwards. I was just like, hey, good luck. And so we both just did that at that moment. I don't even know her name. I think I said that already. But it's good luck to kiss somebody on at midnight on New Year's. And then I went over to my mom's house and ate Hoppin' John and collards. Uh, Hoppin' John, black eyed peas, stewed tomatoes, rice. Supposed to be good luck. And then the collard greens for cash. Cash rules everything around me. I'm, I think I'm, you know, I'm doing okay with all of that. But I've been still... Um, I think the thing I really want luck in is my relationships with other people. Because 2015 was finding out what a bad temper I have and how... Um, how quickly I can get frustrated and loud. My neighbors had to experience that. Uh, women I've dated have had to experience that. I hear myself doing it in the car, and I'm like, man, what is your problem? I go there so fast, and I, you know, when Kevin and I were trying to get these mics straight, as you will hear as we go into this interview, I was getting like that. Just get so fucking bent out of shape. And, uh, 2016 has really got to be about me just redirecting that. I don't know, I don't know what it is because I'm pretty mindful about a, a lot of things, but you know, there's only so far mindfulness takes you. You got these goddamn reflexes that just kick in. Things just happen before you know it. And I definitely got this fight or flight thing that just kicks in unbidden on a regular basis. And uh, so 2016 is, is going to be the year of mellowing the fuck out for me but uh let's roll on into hearing me be frustrated right now all right let's get this fucking thing rolling god damn it we've just had a whole bunch of back and forth messing around this equipment kevin's helping me sort this out because i have mismatched mics and old cords and whatever actually i guess that cord's okay it's it was just the mic the cord's probably fine the mic's had it and joanne i'm sorry your mic has had it that I'm going to give it back to you now. Not working. <laughs> <laughs> Even more used than when I got it. So, um, uh, I was going to say that that's how you, uh, I mean, that's how you figure this stuff out. You yeah. use what you have. I mean, it's how I started. Mm-hmm. You use what you have. And then when stuff starts happening to where you're like, this is a problem. I need to fix this. Yeah. And you just one by one, you learn these lessons. Hard yeah. Lessons. That's the thing that's really daunting. But also, I guess, you know, you, you got to change your perspective about learning anything like, I want to go into everything already knowing everything. Yeah. You know? It'd be nice. In the process of learning, a lot of the... I did no good with that thing of, like, going to a class and having somebody present shit to you as this big thing, and then you get tested on it and all of that. It, I do way better with trial and error. But, you know, like this. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think we all do. Yeah. I think that's what people do is say... They run around life and they know what they know at the time. They make mistakes and then they get better at it. Mm-hmm. They, they do it differently next time. Mm-hmm. You just keep, you know. How do you feel chances. when you realize something is that you were like, holy shit, I can't believe I haven't known this all this time. It's <laughs> been like, I've been tripping over it and and it's been staring me in the face and now I know it. Well, the uh, it's all in the perspective of the person, you know, but I think my my perspective is like, it's very humbling. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, that's the best word I can think of. It's just, 
you, you're like, for a minute, you're like, man, I feel dumb. Mm-hmm. I feel really dumb. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I do that this entire time? Mm-hmm. And you just start backtracking all of the things. Hang on a second. Done. No, no, keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> cat cat really chasing. Deciding, yeah. This is what cats do. She wants to be involved. She doesn't usually do shit like this, but like she really wants to be part of this today. She's been neglected. Anyway. Um, But yeah, I think you you start backtracking all of the experiences that you had prior where Mm -hmm. you were doing it the different way. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, man, if I'd just known that back then. But Do you think at all about the people who were standing there that knew it and and you didn't know it that were going, what a dumbass? No, you can't think of that. (laughs) That's what I think of, unfortunately. You got to you got to put that out of your head and just move mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's uh, one thing I've learned over the years. I mean, it's well, that seems like you. You seem like in general, like I mean, I was sitting here getting, and I've had a little too much coffee today, but I'm sitting here getting frustrated and cursing whether it's the cat knocking over that thing or this stuff not working. And you're, I can tell that you're staying very like chill about it. You know. And like, and I'm I'm sensitive to the fact that like my not chillness is like something you're you know almost having to like <laughs> like swat away a little bit. But oh man, no, not at all. Because no. I've I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, another thing I've learned doing sound is you just roll with the punches because it's never going to be perfect, mm-hmm. and you just make it the best situation you can. Yeah. And you make uh you make do with what you have. You know, it mm-hmm. uh, goes back to that. So it's like well. This could be happening, or it could be worse. Yeah. So I'm just gonna make it. Yeah. Make it right, and just let go of it, and and do that. Yeah. You know, and kind of. That's. I mean, it's. It it seems like I've had. I've had the opportunity to do that with a lot of things. So it seems to me that that lesson is really trying to get into my head. That this thing about perfection, like stop trying to get it perfect. There's Mm -hmm. no fucking such thing as that. Yeah. You know. But yet, like, I'm always going for that. I'm always like, oh, I can't stand it. Like, I'll tell you this embarrassing story. So I went to see, um, it's embarrassing to me, because even though I keep talking about how it's not that important to me to be right, and it's especially not that important to me to be right about pop culture and music and shit, it still kind of is. Are you turning the bass down? Um, I still get, that's the most, some of the most embarrassed I get when I'm wrong about shit like that. So I went to see... um, Mac McKagan, I think his name. I was never a big Super Chunk fan, but he played the other night with X Hex and Archaics. And wow, that's yeah, awesome! It was a great show. It was really great. And um, he was talking about Honor Roll, and you know he had he was the founder of Merge Records, and I don't know if Honor Roll was on that, but I know Breadwinner was later. And he was talking about how much he loved Honor Roll, and then he went into playing the song Southern Girls, which I've heard RPG play, and I thought that was an RPG song. I had no idea who it actually is. Mm-hmm. And I, I texted Matt and I was like, uh, that's weird. I, I had no idea that that was an honor roll song that you've been doing. He goes, it's not, man. It's cheap trick. And then I was embarrassed. <laughs> and then I was like, but why in the fuck was he talking about honor roll before playing a cheap trick song? You know? And uh, so I had to investigate and figure out what the fuck that was all about. And it turns out 20 years or 30 years ago, honor roll covered that song so now it's a coincidence that they covered it and rpg covers it because rpg was those guys weren't even around when honor roll was happening you know so this right big thing but i was like really getting like getting stressed out for having not 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 knowing that you know not not having the having that at my fingertips you know that trivia right yeah that's uh it i i can say that probably happens uh 
with every generation of music, mm -hmm. you know, like the, the new kids hear mm -hmm. a cover, which these days it seems like you hear covers of almost everything. It's, mm -hmm. it's not that people are running out of things to write, like new things to write. It's just, uh, maybe music industry people are running out of things to sell confidently sell to mm -hmm. the crowd. And they're like, well, if we take this hit song, let's just redo it and mm -hmm. make it a different version with a new singer mm -hmm. and we'll just sell it all over again. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's kind of, uh, I, I think people get lost in that over a couple of generations. And yeah, I mean, on, on the one hand, it's only a problem for like, say those of us who know mm -hmm. that cause the new generation doesn't know like, right. and, and, and it's not like they're being fooled, you know, really it's like, I mean, they don't have any context to consider it a ripoff or a, a, a sham right. or whatever. And sometimes it is a band, literally, like Cheap Trick, mm -hmm. you know, being covered. I mean, there's so many rock and roll groups that love Cheap Trick. Mm -hmm. They're a great band, mm -hmm. and they influenced, you know, countless musicians. So mm -hmm. in in that situation, it's just totally a respect thing. Yeah. But then, you know, a couple of generations down the road, you've heard RPG play it, mm -hmm. and they did it so well that you thought it was their song, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. those, those guys, whatever they're going to do. It should sounds sound. like it should be their song. Yeah. Kinda. It Anything they do, yeah. it's going to sound like them. Yeah. It's just, they're awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. That's uh, cool. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's such a, like where I, where the stance is about that, of like finding out what you don't know and like being able to embrace that and being like grateful about it. Oh, well, at least it occurred to me. Or wow, there's a new new thing, you know, or to be like, God damn, that's embarrassing. I'm never opening my mouth yeah. again. <laughs> and you know, and that is the thing, is the ego and, and pride get in the way of so much cool shit, you know. It's it can be bad. <laughs> I mean, I I experience that often, you know. Mm -hmm. I think everybody does. I think people do it every day. Yeah. You know, somebody somebody humbles you, somebody's like Oh yeah, you didn't know that. Mm -hmm. It's just some people handle it uh, on the other end poorly too, and they yeah. just chastise you for not knowing or something. And mm -hmm. then that's where people really get embarrassed and are like, "Oh man, I'm not part of the cool crowd." And right. And then they start doing that back to other people, and mm -hmm. then you know, because it was done to them. I think it's a cycle of abuse. I really do think it's it's a it's, it's a, a type of bullying. You know, spreading of negativity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, like when I, I I was just talking about this guy about. What, you know, the last podcast or the one before this, you know, I worked at Matador when I was at like in my twenties and I didn't know jack shit, you know, like uh, compared to the people that worked there. I mean, these guys were like all record store employees, you know, who like were obsessive collectors, obsessively knowledgeable about all this stuff. And they were always cr like, not all of them, but a handful of them were always crapping on the shit I was listening to, like back in the shipping department when I was packing boxes and mm -hmm. like i'd be back there listening to danzig's first record and somebody would come back there and go you actually aren't even listening to this ironically are you you, you think this is a good record you know and it, <laughs> like it was like it really embarrassed me Slam. and like yeah and i was like this is what nerds do when they get a chance to kick sand in somebody else's face it's yeah. like it's their form of bullying you know it's their turn mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. you weren't there the first time so it's you know right. unfairly being done to you yeah. yeah it's just that that happens with people yeah and it's like it's shitty it doesn't matter if it is an actual physical ass whipping or if it's just a one-upping over something as inane and trivial as a band you mm -hmm. know ultimately i mean band music is awesome it's beautiful it's this great thing that we've invented and it it's such an example of our creativity and in, you know innovation and it's visceral yet it's also technical it's you know it's all this shit 
and it kind of you know it sucks that you know people will turn it into something to beat each other up about you know yeah but um i really like i it I'd like to be able to tell correct someone when they were wrong about something like that or be corrected without it being, you know, humiliating. Be Humbling deal. without it being humiliating, you know. It man, I swear it takes extra effort to be like that. Mm-hmm. You know, even for the best people, um you really have to go out of your way to think of how to deliver a message to someone else without hurting their feelings or mm-hmm. making them feel like that because that's it's almost an automated response half the time now when someone comes at you with you know it's almost like they're coming at you with it yeah and so it's a it's something i'm sure everyone probably has to deal with this but it's something i have to consciously deal with and you know every day if there's something i need to address with someone else it's like how do i come across not being a jerk about it Mm -hmm. or something you know even though my intentions are good how do i make someone else feel like my intentions are good Mm -hmm. and so it's it takes the extra effort to be positive and Sometimes. it's it's fucked up because you're only in control of fifty percent of that equation. Yeah. And that person, no matter how you say it, could be so insecure or so over caffeinated or whatever that they can't take it the way that it was intended. Right. You know. And that that's the that's the bitch in all forms of relationships. Whether it's a work relationship, it's a band relationship. It's yeah. A, Everything yeah. we're talking about is is all I think just general life. Yeah. <laughs> You're too far away from the mic right now. You're scratching yeah. yourself. Scratching you know, my it, foot. <laughs> but that is more... Um, I'm back. That's, yeah. That's that's a thing that has been on my mind a lot. And, like, you know, a lot of... Most people will just not tell you to your face. You know, they'll let you go around deluded and, and wrong and whatever. And it, I think that sort of depends on how much respect or love they have for you, but they will fucking tell somebody else, you know, they'll tell yeah. their friends. <laughs> Gracious. I, I want to know, and I don't want to know at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I want to know those things, but I don't, you know, um, I'm always curious to how I come across to people. Mm-hmm. So anybody listening to this, uh, feel free to, you can contact Kevin, come forward right. and, and tell me I'm a <laughs> big jerk or, don't do that. <laughs> well, from where I'm standing, you come across as a pretty centered and mellow guy, like right in the the right zone. You know, well adjusted, confident. You know, not a dick, not arrogant. Just uh, where I try to be. <laughs> you know, but like I said, it's a it's a struggle every day. Is it? So that is something you're conscious of. Like it doesn't just. You're not one of those dudes. It just comes naturally. Like I'm just the center. I'm centered. Maybe half of it know? is I just don't want. I don't want to cause problems. Mm-hmm. I want to let things be. Mm-hmm. I want to let people be who they're going to be. But uh, sometimes it does come into my, you know, little personal space and I have to choose how to deal with it. Yeah. And that's, uh, or, you know, I'm maybe some days I woke up on the wrong side of the bed and I'm emanating this, mm-hmm. radiating this, uh, this energy myself mm-hmm. and I have to try and catch it before. I make someone else feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> For your contagious day in and, and you day affect out. someone else. Yeah. That is, uh, it's, I mean, it's really important. Uh, I mean, it's a thing that I'm, I'm really trying to find a balance with also without fucking overthinking, you know, like I, I don't, I, I was willfully an asshole for a long time because I had such a hard time figuring out when I was and wasn't being one that I was just like, I guess I'll just be one, you know? Cause, and, and like that was the wrong choice, but like I really couldn't figure out why, 
you know, I was offending people under some circumstances and not others, and they didn't get where I was coming from. And I've chosen more to sort of, you know, choose the path of awareness, you know, about this and try to be okay when I fuck it up, you know. But is, there's also right. giving yourself too fucking hard of a time about yeah. that sort of thing, you know. I mean, honesty is almost always the right answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, just being honest to yourself really is the, yeah. the first thing. But mm-hmm. uh, second is being honest to other people. If if there's something people need to, to hear, mm-hmm. then, you know, the question, I guess, for you and everyone else is, is it your job to tell them? Mm-hmm. Or is it their job to find out on their own? Mm-hmm. That's, a, That's a real <laughs> fucking tough call. It's a dilemma. Yeah, But it's a good question. I, I've had it phrased like this. Does something need to be said? Does it need to be said now? And does it need to be said by me? Right. You know? And if you can just stop and ask yourself that question before proceeding, that might modify how you're going to proceed. Even if you don't, you decide yes to all three of those questions. Yeah. You know, even, even then it might be a little more gentle or compassionate, you know, how you end up saying it. But people need, I mean, that's funny. Alice and I were just talking about this too. People, I would want people to tell me the truth, you know? Right. But I do find it hard to tell certain people certain kinds of truth, especially re- relationship truth. You know, like if you've been dating somebody, you decide you don't want to date them anymore. And it really is them. You know, you just don't like them, you know, or you're not mm-hmm. attracted to them. You don't want to be with them. That's fucking hard. Nobody can wants to say that to somebody. Right. But I would rather I want to hear that. I would rather somebody tell me that than a bunch of bullshit. Like, it's just not, you know, I need to work on myself right now you know uh I'm it's not really you, it's the, me yeah yeah i don't want to hear that shit but if i'm in that position that's exactly the kind of shit i'm gonna say you know it's tough to uh crush somebody's heart <laughs> it's uh yeah there's probably been a lot of times in in my life especially early on dating teenager mm-hmm. 20s all that stuff where it's you you kind of know in the back of your head you're in the wrong relationship or mm-hmm. you're in it for the wrong reasons mm-hmm. and yeah how do you how do you come about that I can tell you from experience if you wait too long it's going to come crashing down on you yeah mm-hmm. and then the thing you have to deal with when that happens is I knew this all along I should have done it before it got mm-hmm. to this point and so mm-hmm. it's like it sent it could send you down a different path and send that person the other person down a different path mm-hmm. instead of just dealing with it then. But again, those are the things that you can't, when you learn that you can't go back and think about right. all the, all that stuff. You can't Monday morning quarterback that shit. Yeah. You just move forward and next time, you know, and more and more I'm gaining the appreciation for the fact that there, even next time, if I'm trying to apply the lesson from some previous experience to a present experience, I'm distorting the present experience because I'm assuming it's the same fucking experience. And this, I call this the time travel model of relationships <laughs> because inevitably, you know, whenever, whether it's the Terminator or 12 monkeys or any story where there's time travel, right? Somebody doesn't want something to happen. Right. So they go back in time to stop it from happening and they make it happen. It's so symbolic. It's the fucking and that's (laughs) our psychology. We're time traveling right right? in our brain. We're not we're not in the present. We're we're like, I want this future event to come out a certain way. So I'm going to mentally travel into the past, which is my memory of the past. Yeah. And and decide that if I 
if I manipulate the events in the present right now based on my knowledge of the past, then I'll get the future I want. And it almost always ends up fucked up. It's a paradox. You know, yeah. you just can't. That's why time. I think time travel, time travel stories exist like that. I think because they're an extension of the tragedy story of like Oedipus Rex. Do you know that story at all? I don't think so. Well, you know why there's an Oedipal complex. You've heard of that before. Well, that's this Greek tragedy where um, a, a husband and wife are told by the oracle. I think it's the oracle of Thebes or something or Delphi or something like Tiresias. Blind man, he tells uh, future events. He's you know a soothsayer. He says right. your son is going to grow up to kill his father and marry his mother. And so when the son is born, they go, well, we can't have that. So they bind him and throw him in the woods to be devoured by wild animals. And somebody finds him and they raise him. And when he becomes a man, he decides to travel to Thebes, uh, you know, which is like the New York of that time is where mm-hmm. young men go. That's the way I remember it. Or Vegas. And on, on the way there, he encounters a man who's a dick. He gets into some kind of altercation with him and he kills him. And then he goes on to Thebes and he finds that there's plagues. You know, actually, no, that's not what's happening yet. The king's just missing. You know, and for some set of adventures, he meets, gets to know the queen. He ends up marrying her, and then the city is beset by plagues and all of this stuff. And it turns out that guy he killed on the road was his father, and this person that yeah. he is just married is his mother. You can't, you can't stop the inevitable that's from right. happening. You can't. It's a yeah, man. That's a perplexing. <laughs> well, the, the the answer to it is you said it already. Mm. Is if you do the if you're honest in the present, you know, and this is what I believe now, though I don't always can't remember to practice it all the time is if you're honest in the present, whatever the fuck is the result of that is the best possible outcome. It's based on truth, you know? Yeah. If the shit that happens because you lied and manipulated a situation that ain't, that's not going to end well. Comes back you know? to bite you. Yeah. Right. One way or the good, other. Good lesson that we, uh, we all learn over and over. Isn't that, Right, <laughs> it goes it goes right with this shit with microphones and yeah, you know, and figuring out something. You got to figure out life. It's all one thing, you know. I guess the question we all need to ask ourselves mm-hmm. is: if we're going to time travel, do we do it? Do we do it naked, or do we eat a spider? And you know, I don't know. <laughs> trying to trying to go right. Back you're to connecting the Terminator and uh, Twelve Monkeys. I get it. Yeah, the references. Why does he eat that spider? It's a that that's one of the messiest ones there, where he he continuously is going back there and yeah. creating everything that happens, including the plague that happens, you know. Um, but that yeah, that that honesty thing. So this is another thing I was thinking about before you came over, and this is you're a, a drummer, you know. Um, people are good at figuring shit out, and they're good at figuring shit out like. Like, even given, like, how would they manage to put all of these things together and figure it out? I mean, I mean, human beings are good at figuring shit out. And I think of the drum kit as a really good example of that. Like, mm-hmm. those weren't all... There wasn't a kit at one time. Like, right. a guy played the bass drum. A guy played the cymbals. A guy played the toms, you know. Mm-hmm. And they marched together, playing all of these things individually. And somebody, I've heard, like around the Civil War, they found all these discarded marching band instruments laying around in fields, and they have enough guys to play them all. So one guy kind of figured out how he could, like, kick the kick drum. You know, it became a kick drum instead of a bass drum, you know. And he put them all together. And then he figured out the fucking ambidexterity that it takes 
to play all of those at the same time. Like a complete, that wasn't how, what they were designed to do. That wasn't like the model, but mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and the human had it in him to like, somebody had it in him to figure that out. And it's something lots of people can do. Apparently. And he wanted, he wanted to hear or play or whatever the situation was, either for himself or for someone else. He wanted to have percussion and drums and, he it goes back to using what you have mm-hmm. and doing uh, what you have to do to you know get to the end. Right. Um, so he didn't have all the people. He had the drums and the cymbals and the stuff, and he uh, he had to figure out how to put it mm-hmm. all together so that he could have the end result and have like a full complement of percussion. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> and since then, they've been adding too many things to it. <laughs> on and on. Oh yeah, more and more and more. <laughs> and then there's the war of should it be simple? Should it be a three piece? Should it be a four piece? Should it be a five piece? You know, right? On and on. But that, yeah, you work with what you have, right? You said that already, and that's such a that's a hard thing to like. Also, do is you know somebody said probably said to him, "What the fuck are you doing? That's wrong. Are you crazy? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you can't." play all of those by yourself there's yeah there had to be somebody there telling him he was an idiot yeah <laughs> and he was crazy yeah but that's i think that's how everyone gets to that point where they cross that threshold where, mm-hmm. where they're writing music they're uh they're playing an instrument it's like mm-hmm. challenging yourself to do what's in your head and then tuning out everyone that's telling you otherwise that mm-hmm. you can't do it mm-hmm. you know you just determine and you just try your hardest if you mm-hmm. can't do it, you can't. At mm-hmm. least you tried, mm-hmm. and that's uh, that's how it's been for me and a lot of bands I've played in. You know, just uh, seeing what I can. You know, especially uh, especially a band Peru I used to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Peru before. I'm glad it's, you brought that up. Yeah. yeah, I mean that band was constantly challenging for all of us. Like mm-hmm. everyone in the group, we were all cocky enough and good enough and uh, dumb enough to just all at the same time, you know, just young and we're all in our early twenties and just like felt like we could take over the world Mm -hmm. with our music. And so everything we did, it was just like, you know, I would write a part on the drums or, you know, Eric Mamiller, um, and Eric circle. They were the two songwriters, the main Mm -hmm. songwriters in the band. What was the other Eric's name? Circle. Circle. I don't even think I know who he is. Circle with a Z. Yeah. He doesn't go out much. Um, but, uh, he still, yeah, still loves music, still writes music. Um, we've actually, we've reconnected the last couple of years, all of us, mm-hmm. um, Sam included, and uh, the bass player. And uh, we've been talking about either maybe a reunion or releasing that or album. moving forward. Oh, yeah, the album that you recorded that... Right. Yeah, maybe yeah. we'll release it finally. It's been 13 years. I, I don't think. want to pull you away from what you were saying about the writing with that, because I, you know, uh, answer, yeah, it's fine. asking that question, I've... Um, I was going to say that we uh, we challenged ourselves all the time. Mm-hmm. So it would start with a guitar riff, which uh, usually I would come in at that point. I felt like I would naturally just, I was drawn to guitar riffs and mm-hmm. just started playing something crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would just take the, whatever timing it was in, I would do something different mm-hmm. timing wise. And then we would end up with something completely new. Mm-hmm. Um Zirkel, if he presented a song, it was the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other songwriter would come in with something supporting 
the uh, the original piece. Mm-hmm. Then uh, then Sam would come in with a bass line following me, and he would say, because he was also naturally a guitarist, I think he he played that instrument first. Uh, he was always thinking about writing, so he would change the bass line to go with what the guitars were doing, mm-hmm. and then come back to me and say you know, do it differently, do it this way, like follow this. Mm-hmm. So it was like we would totally come out with something completely new. And uh, it was the hardest thing to do. <laughs> it's So how what was it like, you know, were you guys able to hear each other, not just the music, but also like when Sam would say to you, you know, your original idea is um, that was cool, but this would work better? Like, did, how was, you know, your, was that part of the, the, you know, being in a band and practice was like learning how to like hear that. And then, yeah, it usually you know. wasn't that nice it oh, was, yeah. <laughs> uh, like for, for any of us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was pretty funny. It would just, it would be like, dude, you're not playing, you're not playing to me. You're not playing it right. Or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And we were all like that with each other. Or it would be, we're all screaming, you know, yelling because it's a, uh, it's just so awesome what we're doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or it would be funny, you know? Yeah. Um, so definitely keeping us, keeping each other on our toes. It just made that band crazy, just chaotic. The music, um, it's like one of the best experiences I've had in my whole life playing music. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it, it just, I learned so much about myself and about my instrument. No teachers, no lessons, no books, mm-hmm. no school, just, uh, just learning with other people, mm-hmm. all of us learning together. And that, that was like, to me, that's kind of the core of what a band should be. Yeah. That's where some of the best music comes from, in my opinion. I agree with you. And I think that there's, there seems to be, you know, I mean, that to me, it seems like it goes without saying that that's the ideal kind of thing, that there's this, this intercourse that's going on, you know, like, and I use that word on purpose because mm-hmm. it is like sex, you know, and and how uh, like uncomfortable you might be with talking about that as a bunch of men doing that. It's the clo- It's it is so similar to what happens when you're in bed with somebody, you know, because you don't fucking know what's the right thing to do in that in- instance. There are there is no roadmap for getting in bed with somebody, right? There's mm. just like responding to what works, and hardly anybody's going to tell you what, you know really tell you what doesn't, but they might respond really well to something that does work you know so it's right. this like you got to make yourself super fucking vulnerable right you're it's literally a delicate, naked it's a delicate situation you know? you're right you know and that in playing in bands is the same thing for me like it's as hard for me to sort of go well this is what i can do you know on my instrument like right the drums or the guitar or bass and be able to say okay i'm gonna do play this for you and then like maybe this will work or maybe it won't you know and then to hear if it doesn't you know? Yeah. And like, I got fired from enough bands when I moved back to town that I just fucking stopped for a while. You know, sometimes you got to back off and regroup. Yeah. And but it's also day... the right relationships, you know, like right. if you're with the right people, was that embarrassing for you that I compared it to sex? You no, like actually, you were... <laughs> uh, I was gonna, I was gonna say something back actually about that. Go ahead. <laughs> um, another thing that I think may have been coined in Peru, but, uh, Eric Mimler used to always say, you know, Kevin, a band that sleeps together stays together. <laughs> it's the funniest thing. I was just like, the first time he said that to me, I was like, what? And then I laughed. It was hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I never forgot it. Yeah. It's so funny. But I mean, it takes... But it's, it kind of goes along that vein where mm-hmm. like that you're you're vulnerable and you're, you, you become very close mm-hmm. with each other. 
you have to be able to do a lot of, you have to be able to live together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, uh, it's like living with a girlfriend. It's mm-hmm. like living with three other girlfriends yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Never done that. Uh, <laughs> never had three girlfriends. You can imagine that that might be what it's kind of like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man. My girlfriend's not going to want to hear that part. Yeah. She, like, what are you talking? <laughs> Why are you talking about that? She won't listen to this. No, she won't. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does. Yeah, there's five people that listen to this, right? Maybe I'm safe if doing this. Yeah, okay. you, you can pretty much say anything. No one's gonna hear it. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. And then, then it's like, oh, Kevin Willoughby's on the on the air, and then it's six million views. Mm-hmm. No, no, I don't think so. Though I did, but anyway, the point is to be to tell the fucking truth. Anyway. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to do that with the, that's the point of this podcast, even Man. though I get fucking embarrassed when I think about things that I've said on here a lot and yeah. I can think about like, I want to fucking take that down. I want to take that down. I want to change that intro because I didn't plan what I was going to say. I just started talking. I want to do it over. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I want to do it better next time. Yeah. I'm really trying to treat it like a show. You know, it's like when you play a show, you can't, it's, you just did it and you move on. You know, mm-hmm. you played the rock show, you fucked up, you dropped the sticks or you, string broke or you just flubbed the thing you know you just move keep moving there's another show you know but uh have you been in the situations where it's like one person just thinks that they're in charge of what everybody else is playing and like you know that you can't or would you just not be in that band you know i have uh i have done that a few times in my quote-unquote career Mm -hmm. (laughs) um (laughs) Yeah, I have been in that situation where, um, you know, it's like I'm the drummer, mm-hmm. so the the songs are getting written by one person, and they just kind of tell everybody what to play. Yeah, and, you know that works for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to get a little restless in that situation mm-hmm. because I, it's not a control thing; it's just it's a creativity thing. Yeah, like I want to be, I want to be involved. I want to be fully involved. I want to mm-hmm. be you know, a third or a quarter, however many members of the band there are. Mm-hmm. I want to be that much involved mm-hmm. and I want everybody else's input. Mm-hmm. I want, I feel like since I've experienced that before, um, almost a perfect situation and a chaotic situation at the same time. Um, I know it's possible mm-hmm. and I know what can happen. So yeah. if I'm in a situation where there's one person that wants all control of the music, I feel like the music isn't getting what it deserves. Yeah. So it's it's really about that for me. Um, I don't think it's ever going to get its full potential until the rest of the band gets a hold of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I probably prefer not to be in those situations, mm-hmm. or they they don't end up working out because if I stay in the situation too long, like a relationship, it uh, yep. starts to go um, a different direction anyway. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. I was thinking the same. It's and it's going to get ugly. One way or the other. And there's... It can. Like you said, you know it's possible. I've been in one band like the like Peru was mm-hmm. when I started out playing. Like I was playing with two other guys. One other guy was an amateur like me. So he was the bass player. I was the drummer. And we were sort of learning in the band. The guitar player was really advanced. But he liked playing with us. And he didn't care that we... There was kind of only one thing that I could do, you mm-hmm. know, on the drums at that point. But... But he liked us. He wanted to play with us. The chemistry was there. And the, and, and the bass player and I were such good friends. I mean, we lived together. We did everything together. So it was like we could really listen 
to each other without even listening to each other. You know, it was just intuitive. Mm -hmm. And I had nowhere near this skill. I mean, I have way more skill now, but like then it was the relationship was right, you know, and it really doesn't, I haven't been able to find a relationship like that since then, you know, and I've tried and the thing I'm, I've tried to find different people to play with and I'm on the fence always, whether it's a musical relationship, a creative relationship or a relationship relationship. They're like, if you keep, if I've tried enough times and gotten rejected, whether it's, you know, from bands or romantically, I'm like, I'm just going to fucking stop doing this, you know? Yeah. Take like, a break. Yeah. But then I, another, well, but another part of me says, no, why, why is rejection the be all end all? You know, that's just, you just keep trying. Like that's, so you say, you ask the question, the answer is no. Okay. Ask it again. And why ever stop? asking mm-hmm. that question. I mean, that's, that's literally where I'm at right now is that part of me is saying, knock it off, just stop asking. And another part of me is saying, that's the whole journey is, <laughs> you know, asking and being right. told no, you know, but the journey eventually uh, comes to an end when you either decide that you were, you find out you were right all along mm-hmm. or you just concede and you decide that you were wrong and you, you, know, mm-hmm. you then take the next step, but it's only when you're ready. Mm-hmm. There's no, uh, I'd say there's no end all be all that's right. written down anywhere. It shouldn't be a certain time period. It's like, you know, recovering or if somebody's recovering or they're, you know, it's a breakup or mm-hmm. taking a break from music, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, only, you know, when it's time to jump mm-hmm. back in. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's it. It's, it's, that's the being true to yourself thing. Yeah. And it's yeah. so hard to, so hard to know. You want to know when that's going to be. But you're not going to know when that's going to be until you know when it's happening. Mm-hmm. So, what do you what do you, you do? Don't know shit. <laughs> it's a paradox. Yes. Again, we're back to, and this is why I said the time travel thing is no matter what you think you know, you don't know shit. You cannot control all the variables. You can't. You absolutely. I don't give a fuck how many experiences you've had, how much you've yeah. learned. You still can't go into any situation thinking that you know this situation based on old situations. All you can do is have a, I'm going to try to pay more attention. That's what I think yeah. you can do. I'm going to try to be more in what I'm in and like less like in the future or the past. Mm-hmm. I'm going to really, there's this saying like, if you got one foot in the past, you got one foot in the future, you're pissing on the present. You know, have you ever heard that before? Wow. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. So I think that's the only answer. It's not like, I mean, and that is learning a thing, but like, like more and more, it's like, let, let go of what you, your perception of the situation is. Let go of where you would like the situation to go. Let go of how it reminds you of a previous situation and just be honest, do what comes naturally and what's real, but be nice, be kind, you know, and um, be open to the actual events that are in front of you. And open to where they're going. Yeah. You know, and not necessarily be attached to the outcome. Like, right. You know, it's challenging because you, you want a lot of times you, you think you see the path and you want it to go this way, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's going the other way mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you, you're fighting and fighting to stay on the road you want to stay on, but it's the other one's kind of pulling you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, I have had the experience in the last seven years really markedly of like being aware of that and being pulled onto another road that is better than the one I had chosen for myself mm-hmm. and had no, if I had gone with what I usually do, I would have just quit. Like for instance, the job that I do now, I was a cashier when I started working for this company 
And I wanted to fucking quit. I hated it. And now it is the best job I've ever had in my life with the most, you know, making the best living and with the most potential. And, and like I have all of this, you know, invested time and experience and all this stuff. But if I'd done what my instinct was seven years ago, I would have shown the place in my backside, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you need to just dig in and, mm-hmm. and wait. How the fuck know. do you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you just, you know, it's the same thing where you keep trying like uh you know, I I also I run sound in town mm-hmm. for a lot of bands. I work uh I've worked at a lot of venues in town. I've done I've toured and been in a lot of venues around the country. And um you know, the when I started doing what I do, I didn't know a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I I knew that like I was pretty in tune with uh what I could hear. Mm-hmm. And I had a talent for knowing how to make something sound good. I just didn't know how. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know in my brain. I didn't know how to do that, like mm-hmm. or how to apply it to equipment. Mm-hmm. And I went to school. Did a little bit of the we talked about school versus experience. Yeah, school teaches you how everything works, and then uh, experience teaches you how to actually work it mm-hmm. and how to apply it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I recommend both to anyone you don't come out of school and learn how to do everything in the field you you learn that the hard way mm-hmm. you, you know theory and practice theory and practice right yeah um and you try not to forget what you learned in school um but you also sometimes you have to relearn things when you're when you're actually out in it mm-hmm. there's a there's a slight tweak on it there's a different mm-hmm. way to handle it mm-hmm. um that's a faster way to do it or mm-hmm. you know there's just so many things that's another that's like a whole other day of mm-hmm. talking. <laughs> um, but anyway. No, I mean, it's we, you can go there. I mean, it, don't, it doesn't have to be another day of talking is why I was shrugging, actually, in case no, people oh. couldn't see that. Yeah. I mean, this is not, this thing can go wherever the fuck it wants to go. You know, we're, we're riffing, you know. Right. So if you want to riff in that direction, I'll follow you. Okay. You know? Well, I'm going to stay, I'm going to try and stay try on and keep task because my attention span sometimes mm-hmm. I go, go into outer space. Forgive me, people. Forgive me, people. <laughs> um, so yeah, when I started doing sound, uh, I started pushing. I was pushing boxes, loading trucks, unloading mm-hmm. trucks. You know, running cables. Just all mm-hmm. that, all the you know, quote unquote grunt work. Right, right. Um, you know, having a, a drive and a talent to do more. And uh, you know, I started out doing the sound for my bands, or you know, doing things wrong at first. Mm-hmm. Um, learning the hard way, like blowing up a speaker mm-hmm. in practice space or like, why did that happen? Mm-hmm. So then that's when school came about. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of years of kind of doing that stuff, uh, you know, getting jobs at venues and uh, I worked at Toad's Place here in town. That uh, that made me love and hate what I do in like both extremes because mm-hmm. you had to deal with some of the craziest people that you probably come across in the industry, in the music mm-hmm. industry, um, whether it be you know, crew people or tour managers or stage hands or whatever, uh, or musicians that were just, they used to having a certain thing the way they Mm -hmm. want it. If they don't get it exactly the way they want it, you know, they flip their shit. Mm -hmm. Um, but that it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about, uh, about making, making things happen the best I can. Mm -hmm. If I can't make everyone happy, you know, life goes on. Mm-hmm. 
um, I'll do it better next time. It kind of goes back to that again. <laughs> and, and also, it seems to me that you have learned to take being yelled at and not return it in kind, you know, like, or being treated shitty. Like, you know, it, I mean, and I think there's a type of judo there, you know, like that actual judo is where you, you know, the opponent comes at you and you're not there when they arrive. Mm. And I think when somebody's screaming at you that you just, you're not there them to scream at your ego isn't in front there to receive that their whatever their fucking problem is yeah you know? and you can, <laughs> sometimes it does get you though and you uh you have to deal with it and move mm-hmm. on and sometimes i've been the one to tell the other person that is touring and here like mm-hmm. not sometimes not the star of the show but like right maybe one of their engineers or a crew person I've had to tell them like hey man i'm doing the best i can mm-hmm. you know like I don't know what you know. You do this every day. You're in my house for one night. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you do, so you have to explain it to me. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be humble, and you have to just like, look, okay, you got me. I'm dumb. Mm-hmm. I don't know your life. I don't mm-hmm. know you. I don't know what you do every night. Mm-hmm. So just explain it to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to make this work. Yeah, yeah. Let's make it work, and let's mm-hmm. get you get the hell out of my house tomorrow mm-hmm. or tonight, and we'll see each other next year, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's happened a couple of times and it it can, it can hit you pretty hard. Mm -hmm. It can definitely hit your ego Mm -hmm. to where you're like, I thought I was great at what I do. Mm -hmm. This person made me feel like the lowest point of the totem pole. Like I'm just the worst, you know, piss ant he's ever come across or, Mm -hmm. um, that can definitely happen. But you do those things and you deal with those things, you take them in stride. And then, you know, one day you get a job offer or you, you get a, a, a tour offer or something. That's just, it's amazing. The people are amazing. You, mm-hmm. you, you get to travel or you get to work with great bands every night or the place you work for respects you. You've kind of come to that point where you've, you've got the respect of everyone. Mm-hmm. You make everything happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you do your job the best you can every night. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, I, I feel like I'm in a good place now. You know, mm-hmm. I work at uh, I work at Hardywood. I run Sound Air, mm-hmm. and um, you know they're great. Uh, it's a great place, great people. Um, you know the bands I get to work with every night, uh, mostly local, but we're mm-hmm. starting to get some touring bands come through. Um, you know everybody, everybody leaves happy, mm-hmm. um, and uh, everybody has a great time, and uh, yeah, they take care of me. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of at that point too where. You know, I, I had jobs before where it was like, man, is this how it really is? Yeah. This sucks. Yeah. Um, Ted's place was, was a great experience for me because I did, I did a couple of hundred shows there in the, in the year and a half or two years they were open Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, worked with a lot of crazy people, worked with a lot of great people. Um, and that's put me where I am today pretty Mm -hmm. much. Um, that's just one experience. Yeah. (laughs) I always want to shout, like, I mean, between not only the thing of like being wanting to yell back at your past self about you know not knowing something i i am teaching people how to do a job now you know and like i don't want them to have to have figured out as much shit as i figured out when there was no leadership mm-hmm. in this job cuz when i was doing it i was out there driving my car around richmond and nobody told me shit they were just like here's your tablet Go out there and get these people to shop, you know, or whatever. And there are all of these other things 
that you need to bring with you and to have access to. You need to cross-reference all this data. You need to do research. You need to look at this. You need to know that this shit can go wrong, like mm-hmm. this thing. And I was like, and I talked my way into the job I have now by saying, look, I want to make sure everybody knows how to do this before they go out and spend all this time driving their car around the city, not making it, not doing anything, just mm-hmm. impotent, you know. But it's, I'm finding more and more, all I can do is present this to people. And they sit there and they look at me and they go, uh huh, uh huh, I got it. Yep, I got it. And then I come back to them about two weeks later and I'm like, okay, so you're doing that thing, right? No, I haven't figured that thing out yet. Like, and then yeah. I want to go, you dumb mother. Like, I want to, you know. I told you. <laughs> I explained it to you. Yeah. But the big practice for me is to say, okay, let me show you that again, you know? And like, this is really important. It's really going to make your life easier. But I had to stumble on it. Mm-hmm. Nobody taught it to me. And I'm still stumbling on these things. And there's a certain level to which we're not fucking teachable, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you have to learn it the hard way. Yeah. That's the only way it sinks in sometimes. But then you appreciate the person that tried to teach it to you. Like mm-hmm. it's there, so it's sort of there as a, as a uh, kind of a sketch in your yeah. head. And then you start filling in with your experience. You know, the, you know the, the teacher that pops into my head almost every day for anything that, any situation mm-hmm. like that. It's like my parents, mm-hmm. the, the, mm-hmm. those two people. Yep. That, I, think, I think I could say that for everyone that's, everyone that hears this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Your parents are the ultimate teachers that you 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 constantly drilled things into your head and uh, you know they try their best to just have you do things the right way yeah and it's up to you to choose to do it mm-hmm. and sometimes you don't remember but you remember when you when you screw up and yeah. then you're like man mom was right dad yeah. was right yeah <laughs> yeah and you know obviously kind of I think you and I were lucky enough to have parents are your parents still together they are yeah mine too. Mm-hmm. So we're lucky enough to have parents that really made that a priority, like raising their kids and being a family and, and taking care of them. And I, I tell my parents all the time, you may think you fucked up because for a big chunk of my life, I was fucking up. But like when I decided to get my shit together and people start and I let people start guiding me in that direction, it all sounded familiar because you told it all to yeah. me before, you know, and I had a context for it. You know, and they, they, again, they can't protect you from those experiences. Like I had to go out. Luckily I didn't get killed or wind up in jail doing the things that they told me not to do that I did anyway. And that goes all the way back to like being 10 years old. They're like, don't go down to the James river without an adult. And I went down there and me and a friend of mine almost drowned, like fucking around in the river. We easily, easily could have been on the evening news. We just got lucky. Right. You know, but then I went, I'm not doing that anymore. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, man, there's all, all kinds of things can happen to you in life when you're growing up, especially, you know, I used to ride, uh, me and my brother used to ride BMX bikes growing up mm-hmm. in the East and we had this neighborhood that was next to a lot of, you know, newly developed land mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. land that hadn't been developed yet, right. but it is now big old gravel pits and fucking gravel mounds pits. of red clay. You know, <laughs> we had this spot called construction uh, dirt on, on Dan street in my neighborhood. It's called Dan Street Hills, where mm-hmm. all the all the kids would go ride their BMX bikes. I mean, that mm-hmm. was a thing back then. We're mm-hmm. talking the '80s mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> for me. For me, being a kid, it was the '80s, and uh, the there were movies out. There were like all about BMX and right, right. You know, this movie Rad came out that mm-hmm. we thought was pretty rad. You know, uh, <laughs> probably, uh, probably you bought really, into that marketing. That is yeah. indeed rad. It is rad. It was rad. Still is. <laughs> <laughs> It's it shaped who I am today. 
Duh. Um, but the yeah, that place we would go, we would go there by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it was on the other end of the neighborhood, and there were a couple of times where bigger kids came by and mm-hmm. they they would mess with us, you mm-hmm. know, try and take our bikes or something. You mm-hmm. know, a couple of times we, a couple of times we didn't get away so fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we never ended up having anything stolen. We had things broken. You know, mm-hmm. like kid took my brother's bike and like threw it against a one of those big metal sewer curbs uh-huh. on the road and ruined like cut the tire in half and you know we had to walk home you know I walked mm-hmm. with him I wasn't like see you bro yeah yeah um yeah stuff like that would happen they could have they could have stabbed us they could have mm-hmm. robbed us or beat us up or we could have been kidnapped I mean there's so mm-hmm. many things that could happen mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and your parents had told you you guys not to go down there and fucking around well yeah i mean they would whoops eventually they gave up on that and just started telling us to come back at you know just be back before dark mm-hmm. I, mean, I guess that's what parents eventually do they have to let the kids they have to let the the chicks out of the nest i guess i think we do have to let like i haven't had kids yet and i still want to even though you know it's getting kind of late <laughs> um we got they got to be like those fucking turtles you know some of them are gonna make it to the water or yeah. <laughs> I mean, to some degree, you have to like you have to do everything in your power to like prepare them for life and, and make sure they make it to the water. Mm-hmm. But you also have to recognize that they fucking might not. Yeah, you know, and like that is inconceivable. I think to it's it probably is. one of the hardest <laughs> things any parent can think about. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my friends are parents now, and yeah, I'm sure it goes through their head like constantly. Um, you know, I have two nieces. My brother has two crazy, awesome little girls. And, uh, yeah, I know after they had uh, the first one, uh, they were constantly worried. Mm-hmm. They were just like, eventually they, they started to, to get it. Like, you know, it's it's okay. They can scrape their knee. It's okay. Mm-hmm. They can they can cry a little bit. But at first, it's just devastating. Mm-hmm. So what I've, what I've seen, I don't have any kids yet either. Um. But yeah, eventually you got to let go and you got to let them go a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the kids that don't have parents that let them go and let them do their own thing. Those kids, um, I think those kids end up probably not the best people. Yeah. Grow up. <laughs> well, there's two extremes of it. And, and you said balance in the beginning. It's, it's yeah. There's a balance of like setting boundaries and telling them this is, you know, right, right from wrong. Letting them fuck up, trying to dial it back in. You know, it's always adjusting the levels on it because if you let them just totally do their own thing, they grow up spoiled, yeah, shitheads that can't cope with life. But if you also overprotect them, they wind up spoiled. Like can't you know thrive on their own. You know, they mm-hmm. haven't been you know strong enough to <laughs> strike out on their own. They've been. I mean, in some degree, I believe men have to say fuck you to their fathers. You know, we we have to be driven from the nest. We're not supposed to stay there. You know, there has yeah. to be some degree when we hit like 13, when we come into hormonal manhood, we have to start like going, I got, I don't have to listen to this old man. You know, I got to get out here and do it. And then, you know, if you're, if you're really lucky, you come back around to really going, damn, I, that dude was awesome. You know, he really knows his shit, Yeah. you know, and he really did his best for me. And I'm definitely at that point, you know, but I think it's inevitable. You can't. I don't know. Maybe it's there. Some people do seem to be best friends with their dads their whole lives. But like, I was like, I didn't want to be my dad when I was, you know, fifteen or sixteen. I didn't want to be like every weekend when I'm not working, I'm working on the house. 
But right. now I look at that and I'm like, God damn, that was so fucking cool. He wasn't down on the street getting drunk with all the other dads. Yeah, he, he was, was making home. sure I had a fucking uh, right. house that wasn't like, you know, all fucked up and down to the studs. And like we had cars to get us places that weren't, you know, falling apart. And, you know, it was all, there was food on the table. I mean, that, you know, he did a pretty heroic job of that shit. And, yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty crazy. You're, you're absolutely right. The teenage years, you're just like, man, my parents are not cool. Like me and my friends are doing really cool stuff. My mm-hmm. parents are not cool. They stay home all the time. Mm-hmm. That's dumb. Right. Why don't they come to the the shows where people are moshing and stage diving with me? But not you with know? me. But I don't <laughs> want them to come with me. I just want them to experience that because right. it's so cool. Right. But they can't walk in with me. Right, right, right. They can't act like they know me there. They better not speak to me. Yeah. Um, and I'll be making fun of those old people in the corner with my friends. Like who are those guys? My parents showed up. My Aren't father. Those your parents? No. <laughs> when I was like 30 something, I was playing in the Devil Tones. That was not a band I wanted my parents to come see. I didn't care if anybody, like, that was this whole thing for me that I wasn't even necessarily proud of. I've had a know? few bands in my time that <laughs> I was embarrassed to show my parents because I just thought they would, they would be like, oh my God. No, I thought it was, it was worse than embarrassing. It was like, <laughs> it was too aw- like, it was just, I kind of felt like it was too, what I was doing in that band was not really who they, I wanted them to see me as. And sure. My, what I had like just, I was drunk and we were going to play a show at Alley Cats. And I'd just gone in the bathroom and like done a bump of like Coke or something like that. <laughs> like shitty and like not even good Coke, like awful shitty stuff. So I felt shitty. <laughs> like I walked out on stage and there's my dad and my aunt. Um, from Northern Virginia, who oh, like wow. never comes down Surprise. here, and is like, and they're standing, and my cousin, <laughs> who's like a ballerina, are standing there at Alley Cats, like looking like fish out of water, like, and I, man, it was the worst. Wow, <laughs> you know, and I wasn't any teenager; <laughs> I was like, you know, thirty something. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that had to be humbling in a way. You're just like, it's just kind of a reality slap. You're like, yeah, oh, there is like that other side of life that's still. Like that—that's my family right there. Right. It is. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's that. Uh, that was also, a, I guess, a thing. I went pretty far out there with stuff like that, you know, with drugs and and shit like that. And like, it started off as being a thing of like, sex, drugs, and rock and roll are really cool. You know, it's like you know Keith Richards or it's something like that. Yeah. But then it's just like it's how did I put it? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Then it's just sex and drugs, and then it's just drugs. You know. And you, there's nothing cool or glamorous or anything. You're just like in this club of one, you know, and it, right. you know, and it's like, it's shitty and it's lame, you know, but club like of one master of none. Yeah. Yeah. Master of puppets. Maybe. Um, the, but the, that feeling of shame that happened at that moment, you know, of like, oh yeah, this is actually this, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel or the little tether, like come back from the dark side, Carol Ann, or whatever the fuck, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's still useful, even if you're out there, you know, it's like, and it is ultimately what I remember later on that makes me say, no, I don't want to be, I want to go towards the light, you know, it's a little yeah. poltergeist thing. I don't know if you were picking up. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> time, time travel. Yeah. yeah. Portal. <laughs> go through the, step through the portal. Yeah, and you know, fucking uh, Donnie Darko. Have you ever seen that? You've seen oh, that, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. That's such an awesome... Because it, it is talking about a disturbed kid, you know? Right. Like, he is mentally ill, you know? And 
yet you know there's there's a there's a reality like that he, he i mean even the, the the heroic journey of that is heroic whether it actually literally happens as a time travel thing or it's him struggling with his own perception of reality right you know yeah it's a brain twister for sure it's fantastic though fantastic story mm-hmm. um it, isn't it true that we uh we probably all feel like that sometimes where you've got this bubble that's just pulling you Mm -hmm. in different directions. You're like, well, I'm just going to follow that imaginary bubble into the next room and see what, what's going on. Or I'll go down to that club tonight or I'll go to, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm being pulled in there. Well, you know what? A lot there, for instance, the night of that show, the, um, I didn't really feel like going out. Like I really don't, almost never feel like actually going out when it comes to the time when the show is going to happen. You know, and I and I love bands, but I'm like, it's so fucking daunting to me. Like, I got to get up, I got to put, I got to drive down there, I got to find a parking space, I got to go in there, I got to stand around. Maybe I'll see somebody I know and talk to them, or maybe I'll be standing there by myself like a fucking schnook, you know, and then this, 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 and this. And I have to keep telling myself, you don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Get the fuck out of the house. You don't know what's going to happen, yeah. you know? And in my case, that's what's pulling, you know, that is the sort of, that is another stand-in for destiny is when you're just open to the possibilities. And that does, and has pulled me to a lot of random experiences. That night I, I met somebody that I had been wanting to meet for a while that I'd seen across rooms and stuff. And yeah. I, and because I went to that show and then because I decided I wanted to step the fuck out of that show for a minute and go get a piece of pizza, I, you know, went, oh yeah, there, that there's that. And this is a good time where I could just, Say hi. Interesting how that <laughs> happens. Yeah. yeah. Where you, this thing that you, you're not planning on it happening, but it you cross paths and you, you think about, am I supposed to cross paths with this person at, mm-hmm. that, at this point in time? And then you're like, oh, maybe not. And then you go somewhere else. You go to get a piece of pizza. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, there they are again. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe this time. Yeah, maybe I'll just say hi and see what happens. And I've been following a lot of <laughs> shit like that. Okay? Like over the last yeah. six years, that's like my hobby is trying to figure out or develop an approach because my approach before was, you know, I'm getting drunk and, and whatever happens when I get drunk is my life because I'm getting drunk, you know, and, and like <laughs> I want to get drunk and I want to feel that way, you know, so everything else is going to have to, you know, correspond with that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was just telling somebody the other day, I was like, I was, I was asshole so much when I was drinking that I just went ahead and decided that I had, and I mean, I was just telling you this, but I didn't connect it to drinking before. I like I want to be. Yeah, I wanted the filter. <laughs> I wanted the alcohol to take away the discomfort that was caused by my overabundance of self consciousness, right? But I, you know, you don't get to selectively numb. So when you take that out, you also take out your ability to to be sensitive to the fact that you're insulting someone, or you're pissing somebody off, or you're, you know, you're being a problem. You know, right. And like, you need that shit to check you, you know, and like, it's important to have that shit to check you that judgment that is impaired, right? It's the judgment of like, am I being an asshole? You know, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> and and so like, I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to stop drinking. So I'm just going to model myself after assholes, you know, like, and make it cool. You know, way, be in least... an asshole band and like, be at, you know, yeah. That way, at least I know I was being honest about being an asshole. I meant to do that, you know, <laughs> is the is the thing. But now it's like, I'm like, no, I, I don't, 
I want to have a lot more mindfulness around the shit that's going on because I don't like hurting people. And I don't like people telling me later that I've hurt them or that I've, you know, I embarrassed them or whatever. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and I overdid it for a while. And it was like I was playing Choose Your Own Adventure. You remember those books that like had a sort of a Dungeons and Dragons theme? And you would say, you know, you get a choice on the page and then it would say, okay, now go oh, to page yeah. 62, you're dead. You know, right. And like you get get really paranoid about making all these choices. And what I've come down to is that doing the right thing that you and the right thing is not a mystery. It's honesty, generosity, compassion, all that stuff. Ask yourself when you're being faced with a choice, does it conform to that or is it some selfish shit? You know, if it's the selfish thing, it's probably going to go to page 62 where you fall off the cliff. Right. You know, that's a good way to look at it. You know, if it's the thing where you're like, this is not going to get me what I think I want right now, but I have to do the right thing. And when you do whatever comes out of that is it's the right thing. That's how destiny works to me is if you choose the path of doing the right thing, that's a destiny. You know, it's pretty inevitable. There are going to be hiccups in that. There are going to be things that seem like they shouldn't have happened to you. Maybe you'll get cancer or whatever. But overall, your life has got integrity to it. And it basically feels better than this other life where you constantly were making selfish choices and you were always at odds with people. Right. You know, so feel better in the long run or feel better in the moment. Right. Mm-hmm. But a, you don't even feel good in the moment because a lot of times you know you're being selfish. Yeah, sometimes you're being you shitty. Don't. Yeah. You know, there's still whether you've turned it as far down as you can, there's still a voice telling you you shouldn't be doing that. You know, True. I don't give a shit. You have to be a psycho, like an actual psycho, not to have that voice. Yeah, I think know? most people know deep down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've I've certainly been there myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for a period of my life, where I was more of an asshole than. Than uh, I'd like to admit, <laughs> but I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad to be where I am now. Yeah, me too, yeah. man. And we have come to a perfect spot, I think, to wrap this up. Thanks for taking another cool. crack at it. And in case anybody didn't know, we did this once before, so we're referring to shit you didn't get to hear. But I'm sure you can follow it. Thanks, Kevin. Peace. Oh yeah. Nice conversation with Kevin. Uh, I was just listening just to the last 10 minutes of that, and uh, goddamn, I was waiting for me to shut up going on about it. But whatever it is, what it is, that's how it, that's how it rolls sometimes. Um, but I really, Kevin and I, I think, sat there and talked a little bit longer. I really like that dude, and I, I count him among my new friends in this town. And uh, I've been enjoying... Uh, meeting a lot of new people in Richmond since I've been doing the Uber thing. You know, I, back in, when I was coming up and I kind of left high school and started to hang out around VCU and go to the places, the Rockets and the Twisters and all of that, there was just such a finite group of people that were basically into what I was into. And, uh, and it stayed like that for a long time. In the summertime, you didn't even have the students, so it was just you know, like 20 people or something. And man, that has changed. There are just so many other people in this town that are, while not being exactly like each other, they, you know, are closer in interest than, you know, it used to be very polar. Like it was rednecks on the south side, yuppies in the west end. I don't know what you call those people who live in the east end. And then, uh, you know, kind of the something or other 
what you would call the, the gr- loose group of people that I knew from the public schools and VCU. But there just weren't, I mean, we were all kind of like-minded, but now there's just so much more variety in that like-mindedness. And um, I'm also enjoying meeting the people that, I, that aren't necessarily like-minded, but are just other humans that get in my car when I'm driving around on the weekends. And it's been really fun. Um, a, this town is a lot more varied than we give it credit for, and there's no better way to find that out, I think, than just driving around having those sample-sized friendships and talking to people and seeing just the great wide variety that we have. Richmond's actually a really cool town, and uh, which is, of course, why I bother doing this. So, hey, if you like what I'm doing, there is a website, tantraconversation.com, and there's a page there where you can make a PayPal or a credit card donation to support this project, and I uh, would love it if you did that. Um, it would mean a lot to me, because I have you know, a lot of fucking haters out there. Sorry, sorry you didn't like it when you were on here little guy.